everybody and welcome to the 10th episode of Oh Hey Games. Ah, it felt good and don't clap. Stop saying it felt good. It's it so did feel good. It's so when you say it. But it did feel good because sometimes I go really high pitched when my voice cracks and I have to do it because I know what it annoys you. And you have a quivering in your loins? No. <laughs> I did watch Carol. Oh God! <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Sally. I'm your host, and my lovely friend Sarah is back, sprouting her opinions <laughs> again. Um, hello, Sarah. How are you? Hello, Sally. You were not here last week. No. You missed a big week. I chose to have a live. Be well, set free. I chose to interview the legendary Monique Bromby, and that was pretty great. If you haven't listened to that interview already, you should go and listen to it now. Turn this one off. And go and listen to that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. This is as good as it gets, people. <laughs> just move on. It was a great interview. She was so fun. Like it was just it was well, really don't fun. Downplay today. I'm not downplaying today. I'm just saying that the interview with Monique Bromby was really fun. Was Basically, great. listen to the other nine episodes and then listen to this. Yeah. Or listen to this and then go back and listen to them. I'm not even gonna talk about this. Guys, today we're gonna dive into pride. Happy Pride Month, Sarah. Happy Pride Month, Sally. Thank you. Um, it's interesting with Pride, isn't it? Oh, God. You're <laughs> getting a lecture? <laughs> no. I think it's interesting, though, with Pride um, is that I don't think a lot of people actually know how far it goes back and the politics that surround it. Mm. And, and that's okay because people are young. Um, and, you know, people, you know, don't know stuff. But yes, but there's Google people. Educate yourselves. Yeah, I think it's really important to actually know our history. Um, I always bang on about gay history. I freaking love it. Um, and I'm always happy to spend hours researching it, as I did with this. Oh. So I've had a lovely weekend. Um, stroking those kids. Stroking those kids. Well, actually, I write research, which is weird because I don't usually use paper for much. We don't need the intricate details of how you work. <laughs> okay. I'm of the old school. I still write. Yeah. Pens. I always write um, research because I feel it goes into my brain better than typing because I get... Car- anyway, oh, that's, that's another podcast. Well, that would also be your learning style. Yeah. Thanks. Oh, is that our episode next week? Yeah, so Sally's learning style. Um, and then after that, we'll be talking about The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Sally's learning style of watching like a million bloody YouTube videos and trying to get, like, trying to figure it out. Trying to figure out how to play guitar. Um. <laughs> so essentially, like, this Pride Month is is essentially American, but it's celebrated worldwide. And things like our Mardi Gras, uh, like the Sydney Mardi Gras has been very heavily influenced by the riots at Stonewall, the Stonewall Mm. Inn, in uh, 1969. Yeah. But I think there's a very clear difference between what Mardi Gras is and what, say, a Pride March is. They're two very different... Yeah. ...beasts. Well, no, yeah, but, I mean, the first Mardi Gras was influenced in 78. that's true. But the word Mardi Gras is about celebration that's what it's about it's celebrating the community that's the amazing thing about it and i'm not knocking that but i think the important thing to discuss when people march in pride 
festivals and marches around the world. It's about that specific. It is still very political. There is a very marked difference. Even though there are political elements to the Mardi Gras, the word Mardi Gras is party, basically. So it's celebration. So there is no, a No, I know. But I'm just saying the first one was yes. influenced. Anyway, so <laughs> basically, um, the in the 50s and 60s, uh, gay Americans uh, pretty much faced a, an anti-gay system, legal system, everything. Everyone was anti-gay, like, and that was yeah. just, yeah, that was just how it was. Um, and so I guess they people lived in secret, like they lived, you know, double lives and stuff, particularly after World War II um, when they were looking for everyone like they were looking for communists anarchists mm. looking for all these people and so then the gay people got grouped into this mm. um and the establishment being the government were on the hunt like this was massive hunting of of homosexual yeah. people um but that's that but the elements were still here in australia same scenario it was illegal and we had the same kind of issues yeah. where we were hunting our communists mm, exactly so yeah so they were they were deemed yeah. un-american so homosexuals were were put into this this category and and i am just um, speaking largely about america um but they and they were considered a security risk um and they were considered a security risk uh because the state department felt that they were susceptible to blackmail because of their perverted tendencies and that's not a word that I've just put in there as my own word I know I was um, like, mm. yeah no that was what they said so okay so interestingly in 1950 there was a senate investigation um, and they noted in a report it is generally believed that those who engage in overt acts of perversion lack the emotional stability of normal people so that that's in a report um, and then that same report also said that all government agencies are in complete agreement that sex perverts in government constitute security risks. So sex perverts, aka gay people, weren't allowed to work in government. So thanks, Senator McCarthy. It's pretty insane, isn't it? Mm. Like it's it's disgusting. Yeah, and so then so state and local governments then followed suit. So gay bars were shut down. Uh, customers were arrested and exposed in newspapers. So this mm. is a situation where there's a raid on a gay bar, someone is arrested, mm. and then the next day their photo is in the newspaper, yeah. outing them to the city. It's it, it's incomprehensible to me, like that that would it even is. happen. Yeah. Um, cities uh, performed sweeps uh, to rid neighbourhoods, parks, bars and beaches of gay people. Um, and so many people um, chose to live double lives, different professional, different private lives, so that nobody would know. And that's when that law came in too about men wearing women's clothes mm. and women wearing men's clothes. Um, so I think you had to have at least three articles. Like, you, Yeah, so that was what we were talking about. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So a really tense time, I think. Yeah. Like, it was an, an insanely tense time. Uh, then, also, 
around that time in 1952 I think it was uh, the American Psychiatric Association added homosexuality to the DSM mm. um, and considered it a mental disorder yeah. and what does DSM stand for Diagnostical and Statistical Manual. Yeah, so this is something that all psychiatrists use. Like this was mm. this was a book that everybody used. Um, well, they still use it. And so in 1962, there was a huge study done to justify it as a disorder, um, as a supposed pathological hidden fear of the opposite sex caused by traumatic parent-child relationships. I mean, can you even believe that? I can believe it. In the it. time. Yeah. Yes. So this is all the work being done against homosexuals or sex perverts, mm. as I will now call them oh. and myself. Uh, no. Um, this is the real kicker. Throughout the 50s and 60s, the FBI and the police kept lists of known homosexuals, their favoured establishments and their friends. The US Postal Service also kept track of addresses where, and they write here, material pertaining to homosexuality was mailed. Can you even believe the level that they went to? Yes. Because look who was in charge of the FBI, J. Edgar yeah. Hoover. I yeah. mean, Google him, <laughs> just so you understand. He was FBI director for a very long period of time. Yeah. I it mean... And if you Google him, you'll find about his relationship with the Kennedys and the wiretaps and the um, investigations he did of Martin Luther King, who he, let's just say, was not a fan of. Mm. It's shocking. Mm. Like, it makes me really upset. Like, I think, like, I love the history, but when I read about the history, like, I get really upset about it. So As he is, the rumour is, allegedly, he was a transvestite. Mm, interesting. There's always that kind of stuff happening, isn't there? Just making sure I'm recording. Okay, so people obviously weren't taking it lying down. Like there, there were people out there who still thought that, hey, this is wrong. Um, I think there would have been a handful of people doing that. But just imagine these people wouldn't have been like people today, single living alone, that type of thing. The men that were most likely found in these bars were married. Yeah. They had families. Mm. That's where the shocking thing is. But the funny thing about the situation when you're thinking about it is, isn't it positive to be outed in that circumstance? Because the thing that they're afraid of you doing about being scared about outed and you couldn't be blackmailed. You have been. I don't know. Maybe there's a little sense of freedom there for some people. But I guess then too in the times you would most Oh, I'm sure in the times it would have been horrible. Lose your family and stuff. Mm. So, you know, that would suck. And your job. Imagine being put in the newspaper, mm. being a homosexual. I think if I was in the newspaper now and people saw me, they'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and? <laughs> Yeah, Cena. Yeah. Cena. And then those five people who said Jez Style would be like, yeah, I know that girl. Um, <laughs> Actually, I've got another story to tell you about Oh, that. you're a liar. So uh, the Mattachine Society, I'm not sure how that is pronounced, so don't come at me on social media. 
um, formed in 1950 uh, and their objectives were basically to unify homosexuals, educate them, provide leadership and assist sexual deviants, and I use inverted commas, uh, with legal troubles. Mm. Um, a couple of years later, um, a women's group started in San Francisco uh, and they met in the living room. That was the Daughters of Belitis. Um, uh, they were... <laughs> That's a Greek... <laughs> uh, of Lesbos thing, right? I think so, yeah. 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 <laughs> Trust lesbians. I love lesbians. So literal. Yeah, I just love lesbians. <laughs> Um, and that, essentially, I think that group was um, originally formed as a safe place to dance. Again, lesbians, awesome. Uh, but as they grew, uh, they developed similar goals to the other group, the Matachine, uh, I think that's how it's pronounced. And um, they, they kind of started urging their members and that to get involved um, and assimilate into general society. So, you know, the kind of resistance was already coming, I guess, this is 1953. Mm. So it's coming and coming. Um, so there was basically in 1953, um, an organization named One Inc. formed. Have you heard of that? No. And they published a magazine called One? No. God, have you heard of anything? I was born in 1954. <laughs> <laughs> No, you won't. <laughs> the US Postal Service uh, refused to mail the August edition of the issue, even though it was in a brown paper bag. And guess what? These guys took it to the Supreme Court. And six years later, um, the Supreme Court ruled that it could mail its magazine through the US Postal Service. Six years it took. Mm. Jesus. They see. They've got things to do. You know, so I think sometimes too, like when I was reading, like reading up all about this, it was interesting to me too that there was a riot before Stonewall. There were a lot of riots before Stonewall. Yeah, but there was one in particular um, at the Compton Cafeteria. In San Fran. Do you know about that? Yes. Tell me about that. Why do you do that to me? No. I know it happened. I know it's in San Francisco. That's all I know. It was a counter sit-in or something, wasn't it? Well, yeah, so it was drag queens and hustlers and transvestites were sitting around in the cafeteria and the police arrived. Cut out the high-pitched squeal. Mm. Well, I'd have to cut the whole thing. Um, the police arrived um, to arrest men dressed as women um, and there was a riot that started and patrons were slinging cups and saucers and plates around um, and they broke the windows at the front of the shop and then um, they came back a few days later and <laughs> smashed the replacement glass as well. So... Oh, that, that seems bad. I don't know. Like, I think if you're pissed off enough, like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to smash the replacement stuff as well. <laughs> okay. So did you know, interesting, and I can't, I have to stop saying interestingly enough, because it's all fucking interesting. The mafia owned the Stonewall Inn. Yeah. You knew that? Yeah. That's interesting. I think that's really interesting. And there was... They're the mafia. Are they involved in anything that gives them money? Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. And they allegedly were uh, blackmailing uh, wealthier patrons um, as well. So allegedly them and the bar owner, manager, were doing that. Um, so on the night of Stonewall, June 28th, 1969... 
Two undercover police officers, two men, two women, went into the Stonewall Inn. Just mingled around. Had a bit of a dance. I know what undercover means. <laughs> yeah. Had a bit of a dance. Probably maybe had an orange juice at the bar or something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm painting a picture. Um, and essentially pretty much gathered visual evidence um, of what was going on inside. Um, the public morals squad was waiting outside. Um, and once they got inside, as the public morals squad would do, they turned off the music and turned on the lights, um, which is totally what I would imagine the public morals squad would do. Yeah. Hey, that's enough of this loud music. <laughs> Somebody turned the lights on. I can't see anything. <laughs> That's what I, in my head, I'm like, you just imagine some uppity bitch. Like, hey, this is too loud. I can barely hear myself think. So talking about yourself. <laughs> All right. Were so you I'd... a previous member of the Moral Squad? <laughs> I only have trouble. I was the captain. <laughs> I only have trouble listening to music in reversing. Like, I can't listen to music in the car in reverse. I don't know, it's a thing in my head. I'm like, everybody turn it off. We need silence. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, anyway, we'll go on to more of my issues later. Um, so basically there were around about 205 people in the bar that night. Um, and I feel bad because the people who had never experienced a police raid, because they were pretty common. Um, and they were generally tipped off. Yeah. So they, the people that had never experienced one, were trying to escape. Uh, using bathroom windows and bathroom doors, but the police had the whole place barricaded, so there was literally no escape, um, which makes me feel really sad. Um, so essentially, from history, you know that the the raid didn't go to plan, like, no. and that I think that's the the great part. No, of that's it. the reason we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so the standard procedure, I guess, was that they would line up the patrons, check ID, and then female officers would take uh, the customers dressed as women to the bathroom to verify their sexuality. And the men... Their gender. Gender, sorry. I don't know why I said sexuality. Their gender. And then the men dressed as women would be arrested and taken out. Um, And that night, for some reason, only I can, you know, obviously can think of is that they just had enough oh yeah look i'm sure there's a point where you like get the fuck out of my pants yeah you're just like hang on a minute this is crazy this is just this keeps happening and happening um so the men dressed as women refused to go with the officers that night and the guys being lined up asked for id refused to give their id so this was kind of like the beginning of the Mm. beginning of the end um social resistance yeah and so even when I was reading, like you're reading articles and reports and stuff and reading into it, both the patrons that night and the police all say that there was an air of discomfort immediately, like something was brewing and like that was the thing that they they could all agree on, that once that happened, like no one was giving their IDs, people were refusing to be arrested, it just, yeah, people could feel it in the air. Um this, of course, was also spurred on by the police starting to assault lesbians in line um, when they were frisking them. Um, you know, so that's great. Mm. Um, so then basically standard procedure is to take them outside to the paddy wagons, but they had to wait 15 minutes for a paddy wagon, the first paddy wagon to arrive. 
And in that time, the people who were in Stonewall Inn that hadn't been arrested were gathering around outside the door and people passing by also gathered with them because of the police cars and, and all that. So everyone was just kind of like having a look at... What's going on here? What's going on here? Is this a bit of fence here? <laughs> What's going on? I've just come out to walk my dog. What's all this about? <laughs> That's pretty much who I imagine was there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's a, there's a pretty big crowd gathering. Um, and so a policeman on the night, and I don't think they gave his name, said by that stage, by the time the first paddy wagon arrived, um, the crowd had grown to 10 times the number of people that had been arrested. So, you know, there was a bit of stress. Mm. So, so people were on edge. So the police put the mafia into the first paddy wagon that came and the crowds were cheering apparently at that. Um, a bystander then shouted, gay power. So it's just this amazing steps. I love it when they break down stuff like this. Like it's just mm. all these little tiny things that happened that made it go crazy. A bystander shouted gay power um, and someone started to sing we shall overcome. Um, and the crowd reacted to that with a little bit of humor and growing anger. So you can feel like the tension yeah. is rising. So a trans It feels like something quite intangible in the air, you could say. <laughs> you could say that, Sarah. Mm. Um, a transvestite was uh, then shoved by an officer and that transvestite responded by hitting him on the head with her purse. The crowd goes wild with that. Um, then... There was a scuffle that broke out with a lesbian who'd been arrested. Um, she was in handcuffs and as she was being escorted from the door, she tried and succeeded to escape a number of times um, and they got her back. Um, and she was then saying to them that her handcuffs were too tight and they hit her in the head with a baton. So the crowd was kind of getting a bit restless mm. here as well. Um, Bystanders claim that it was her that sparked the moment of the riot yeah. kind of thing. So she was sort of fighting the, the police and then she looked at the crowd and she said, why don't you guys do something? Um, and an officer then picked her up and threw her into a paddy wagon and then the crowd just fucking went crazy. So it was on mm. then. So as soon as she got thrown in, it was on. Um, and apparently the police left the paddy wagons and people in the paddy wagons escaped. And some people say that the police did it deliberately. They left the paddy wagon. Yeah, because they all escaped. Like, hmm. um, and so then, yeah, the crowds are then trying to overturn the, um, the paddy wagons, the cars and everything like that. So everyone's going a bit crazy. Someone yelled out um, about... Uh, why it had started and someone said oh it's because we didn't pay the police off so then people started yelling um let's pay them off now and started throwing coins at them oh. um and then beer bottles and and then some people there was a um, well you can't cash those so <laughs> the coins are fine sure <laughs> well God, a, at least give them a dollar bill <laughs> there was a construction site nearby um, and people went and got bricks from that construction site and it just, it was on. So the people, 
were um, setting fire to garbage and stuff. And the police, I think, were just, you know, out of their minds. Like some guy is quoted, he was walking his dog, walking past. Um, and he said, um, yeah, so one guy walking past, he was walking past with his dog. Um, he saw the tactical control force arrive, the TCF. Um, and he said, I'd been in enough riots to know the fun was over. The cops were totally humiliated. This had never, ever happened. The fairies were not supposed to riot. No group had ever forced the cops to retreat. So essentially the cops were wounded and humiliated mm. and the gays. It was time for payback. Yeah. We're just like, fucking bring it on. Um, so about 4 a.m., streets had like sort of nearly been cleared and most people went to uh, Christopher Park, which was just nearby. And everyone was pretty, I guess, like pretty stunned about what had happened. Uh, there were riots the following night as well. Um, and a lot of people gathered for that. There was police provocateurs, um, tourists even came to have a little bit of a sticky beak of what was going on. People tried to drive through the street and the riders would shake their cars and try and like push them over and stuff like that. Um, the famous drag queen activist, Marsha P. Marshall. Am I getting that right? Marsha P. Johnson. You could have fixed it. <laughs> I was <laughs> looking at you, sending you the answer. <laughs> um, <clears throat> she climbed a light pole and dropped a really heavy bag onto the police car's window and smashed the window. Um, and, and what I found out was that she's often credited with starting Stonewall. Um, but she later on said that that wasn't the case. She, she turned up at around 2 AM and the riot had already begun that first night. So she says she didn't instigate that at all, but she was definitely involved in the second night climbing light bulbs and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I think then afterwards, uh, after all that Stonewall stuff, I think the feeling of urgency, you know, I guess so you can liken it to the marriage equality thing. The, the sense of urgency for change and reform kind of inspired people. And I think the um, watching those acts of, I don't know, sheer rebellion at Stonewall. Yeah. Like just really encouraged people to to stand up and march um and so those two groups that i was talking about before the yes. Mattachine mm, <laughs> Mattachine society please don't come at me again on social media i don't know how to pronounce that um as bosses yes yeah they had existed um but i think after stonewall people kind of thought that their methods were a little bit mild like and too mild and so because of that um, people were really, uh, I'm going to say they were out for blood, but I think people were just out for rights. Like They were angry. Mm. You pushed somebody to a breaking point. What's yeah. And so, yeah. And so then they, they <laughs> formed, um, and it's pretty terrific, um, the Gay Liberation Front, and they announced it <laughs> with a flyer that I love uh, that said, do you think homosexuals are revolting? You bet your sweet ass we are. Um, 
And so then they launched the Gay Liberation Front. Um, and so then, you know, like newspapers and that started up as well uh, because the Village Voice at the time, which was the most liberal newspaper, refused to print the word gay when the Gay Liberation Front wanted to recruit mm. for new members. So they had to end up starting their own newspapers. Um, yeah, so... So I think, yeah, I, I, I love that story of Stonewall. And I think people need to understand where all of this came from, like, and the, the feeling, political feeling at the time, and even in, in Australia as well. Like, yeah. you know, it was horrendous. And I mean, even for me personally, my uncle was arrested in Sydney years and years and years ago for being, oh, on suspicion, sorry, of being gay. So Was the suspicion confirmed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> um not not for a few years I don't think, but it was it was eventually confirmed that uh yeah, he was gay. <laughs> but yeah, like so now when I think of pride, like and I guess this being the last episode of the season, like, you know, we've talked this season about all kinds of stuff like marriage equality and gay rights in general, mm. trans rights. What what does the future hold for Pride? Like, what are we fighting for? Well, you're fighting for the same stuff still. Mm. Because let's not sit in an ivory tower as we do. Oh, we have marriage equality. Oh, we're basically accepted. No, because you need to be making sure that this continues mm. and that the next generation and the generations after continue to have that where you're educated about it where you learn about it where you understand where it comes from because the simple fact is is the pendulum swings where to the left mm. where to the right That's true. you know and the right is getting the right is getting more extreme it is it's unbelievable it's frightening to me yeah, so there is still a lot of work to be done and it's really important, I think, to be aware of pride and the origins and listen to stories about our history. Mm. Because these things continue to happen because, and I use the term conservative in the sense of those who generally hold views of more traditional values. Um they're not going to stop their beliefs. They hold them dearly as much as we do. And just because we have marriage equality, just because there's a lot more inclusivity in our society, the simple fact is, sooner or later, people get scared that they're losing their mm. position in society. They're losing their influence and their power. Yeah. And that's realistically what it's about. That's when people get scared. You know, time continues on and we still have those struggles because even though it hasn't been so much of an impact here, when you have people elected like Senator Bernardi mm. and such folk, yeah. they won't stop. They have their beliefs and they'll continue to try and impose a limitation yeah. on ours. So I found this... Um quote I think that really sums up the feeling of the Stonewall intriguing Sharon riot um, 
it's a long quote and it's Michael Fader. Um, he was a patron, um, a homosexual patron of the Stonewall Inn that evening. Um, so it's a long quote, but it's... Okay, you've said long quote twice. Did I? Yeah. I'll just listen to the quote. Um, we all had a collective feeling like we'd had enough of this kind of shit. It wasn't anything tangible anybody said to anyone else. It was just kind of like everything over the years had come to a head on that particular night in the one particular place, and it was not an organised demonstration. Everyone in the crowd felt that we were never going to go back. It was like the last straw. It was time to reclaim something that had always been taken from us. All kinds of people, all different reasons, but mostly it was total outrage, anger, sorrow, everything combined, and everything just kind of ran its course. It was the police who were doing most of the destruction. We were really trying to get back in and break free, and we felt that we had freedom at last, or freedom to at least show that we demanded freedom. We weren't going to be walking meekly in the night and letting them shove us around. It's like standing your ground for the first time and in a really strong way, and that's what caught the police by surprise. There was something in the air. Freedom a long time overdue, and we're going to fight for it. It took different forms, but the bottom line was, we weren't going to go away, and we didn't. I think that really sums up Stonewall. Yes, it does. Pride. Freedom. The LGBT, ABCDFG fight. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Right, so that wraps up uh, episode 10 of season one mm. of Oh, Hey Games. Um. Thank God I, am, I don't have to hear that for a while. Only a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm stunned that it's stunned. been... Stunned? Stunned. Stunned that it's been 10 stunned episodes. Stunned like an oxen. That uh, <laughs> it's been 10 episodes. Like, mm. it's incredible to me. Um, and I've loved every minute of forcing my voice upon you, dear sweet listeners. Um, and our one you. heterosexual listener, <laughs> um, who is Nikki. Hey, Nikki. Um, if you're listening, she wrote to me. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Nikki. Thanks, Nikki. Didn't write to me. Good to have you here. Um, <laughs> no, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks um, with season two of Oh Hey Gays. Um, and I can't wait. If you guys haven't caught up on episodes, you've got a couple of weeks to do it. Um, we talk about everything uh, from my, wow, my friggin' rabbit hole into porn. Um, Stop saying rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. Rab- I say rabbit hole a lot in that episode. Um, sexual health, mental health, yeah. coming out, relationships, mm-hmm. gays on film, gays on film. <laughs> That's how I say it in my head. Um, what else did we Politics. do? Politics. Oh, we had the great Sally Rugg on. Thank you again, Sally Rugg. Um, and the episode last week where we had Monique Brumby on, the legend herself um go and have a listen to that um guys i think on the web page and on the website you'll find a button and it says need support with a question mark uh it's really really important i think if you're feeling a bit down um if you're feeling anything other than happy um to reach out if you can um and and just have a chat to people um alternatively those people who are feeling okay and they notice people that aren't feeling okay maybe you guys should reach out as well 
I think we all need to start taking better care of each other. That's um, very true. Yeah. Very sage advice, Sally. Thanks, Sarah. I I really, I really, really can't stress how much we need to start taking care of each other. Um, and yeah, if you need support, there are some, some stuff on the website that you can take a look at. Um, or just shoot us an email or go to the website or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr. God, I feel like we're everywhere. <laughs> look in your local community. Get involved with Pride Month. Yeah, exactly. Because um, there are really, a lot of really, really cool people out there, um, including us. So, well, me. Yeah. No, I'm speaking for myself. Um, no, I was speaking for myself. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to like get all lecturey on you at the end there. Um, thanks, Sarah, for being here. Thanks, Sally. And um, we'll see you next season, guys. If my contract is renewed, sure. <laughs> you wish you had a contract. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> You've met none of my demands. <laughs> I never will. <laughs> <laughs>